What is going on, Whisper Nation? What's going on, my dudes? Big Travi, Johnny, Game Time, Hicks, and the boxes over to my left or right, depending on the perspective. It is the last day of March, March 31st, 2022, and you are joining the Fantasy Whispers for our Thursday night football show. Are we sticking with that title, guys? Is that what we're doing, Johnny? TF Live, TFW Live, baby. TFW Live, baby. That's what it is. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. so you know how Johnny's doing. I don't even need to it's ask. Johnny's Johnny, live. What about he is live? He is alive on this one, and I love it. How about you, Travi? How you doing today? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, I woke up. I'm alive. I worked. I am blessed. That's bad, uh, my man. People, people <laughs> love me. Uh, it's all good. When you ask someone how no, they're doing, it, they say they're it really alive. Is. No, usually you can say that with some sarcasm. Like when you people say, well, I, I got out of bed, you know. I woke up. Uh, honestly, yeah, I think most of the time people say that they're just pissed, you know? Yeah. They're just like fucking yeah, woke I, up I, still. I, I always go back to the I, I go back to the office line, you know, and when they when he knocks on the window or the door and he's like, Hey, you ever hear anybody say to you, you know, somebody got a case of the Mondays? And he's like, Shit, no, man. You get shot saying something like that. Yeah, you, you get, get ass kicked saying something like that. Yeah. Which yeah, is why we reserve Mondays for the mock draft to keep us all sane. <laughs> and if you're just tuning in here, Whisper Nation, we do our mock draft Mondays every single Monday, really no matter what point in the year it is. And well, not during the regular season, but every other point other than that. So make sure you are liked and subscribed to the YouTube page as well as follow us over on Twitter and Instagram where we got a lot of content coming out your way. Uh, YouTube is our bread and butter here where we produce all of our shows, though, including those mock drafts. Where you can draft alongside with us both on sleeper and then immediately after that we do a best ball tournament draft three dollar entry fee right along with you whisper nation so we get to draft together actually put some money down on the line and we'll see during the season how that ends up working out so join us on monday and we'll get all of that good stuff cooking but it's thursday right now and i gotta say what's up to our dudes over here we got ronald college jumping in freak stomper let's go what's good Great to have you here. When are you going to get like, Professor Ron on the stream, man? We're waiting, dude. Hey, hey, come on. The professor. As Johnny says, you won't. You you got to, yeah. yeah. Hey, you got to announce it like that. You got the professor. Is that what he's got to do? Is that we going yeah. the like WWE style on yeah, this? Yeah, exactly, dude. I love it. You're going to get him um, in here, break the glass, put the fog machine on, and let Ron come in to play. There we I'm go. Down, Let's dude. have it. Let's go. All right, man. Well, let's go with the rest of the show on this one. We're going to be jumping into some of our NFL news from around the NFL right now. And the first big news that we ended up seeing was about Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Arians is retiring from coaching. He's moving over to Tampa Bay Buccaneers front office. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles picked to replace him. Staff being told the news at this hour. And we said that we weren't going to do these for the section, Whisper Nation. But I just want to see how it ended up working out on this one so we can see if we like it for later. Okay. Arian stepping down, moving up to the front office. Johnny, we talked a little bit about this before the show here. And this had a little bit of contention to it. Or maybe not the full story is out. Like, was there a power play at hand? Was this a willing move by Bruce Arians? Let me get your take first, Johnny. What do you think is really going on in Tampa Bay right now? Uh, I think that uh, they're getting ready for this next season led by Tom Brady. And okay. and we, we just need to ask ourselves, hey, 
What is the new ceiling for Tom Brady now that B.A. is out of the office? Because there are a lot of rumors, like like Austin alluded to, that, hey, uh, you know, Tom Brady and, and Leftwich would draw up these, you know, master plays called the bomb and throw it up on the on the screen. And we all know it looks like a running play. But in reality, it's a it's a you just go. Right. But then Bruce Arians come in there. He would scratch. No, we're not running that. We're not doing those plays. So it'll be interesting. I mean, they weren't really called the bomb, but uh, it will be interesting. In all seriousness, they did. Bruce Arians was reportedly uh, doing that each week to Tom Brady and Leftwich uh, when they would draw up these plays. And and so I I wonder. It makes me think, honestly, could we see the best from Tom Brady this upcoming season? Now that the playbook is fully open, they don't have BA looking over their shoulder and saying, "Hey, you can't run that. No, that's too cute or not cute enough." It'll be so. They were they're. So you are expecting more fantasy production or a more fantasy friendly offense from the Buccaneers with Bruce Arians moving up and Todd Bowles moving in? I think so. Okay. What about you, Travis? What are your initial takes? This is pretty big news, both from the impacts to fantasy, impacts to the NFL, impacts to a lot of conversation that's coming around. What's going through your mind when you heard this news, Travi? The biggest thing is, well, for, actually, first, I want to say what's up to Scott, who got in here as well as for as well as do it 420. You guys love you guys in the chat here. You can drop Karen Rogers whenever you want, Scott. I know you want to. <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, what's up, do it 420. <laughs> I just bef- I wanted to say hi to those guys before I jumped into it. Um, I basically there's two things I think that are super important here. One, I, I think it's funny that Johnny is like going against Bruce Arians after all those years, Bruce Arians like led the Cardinals and it was like risk it for the biscuit and you loved Bruce Arians. But now you're saying Bruce Arians is this huge impediment on Tom Brady, even though Tom Brady's had the best statistical career, uh, you know, two of the best one of, you know, two of the best statistical uh, seasons in his career. I think he continues to do that. I think that's what really matters here. Byron left, which isn't like something strange or uh, brand new to the situation. He has been under, uh, Bruce Arians tutelage. It'll probably be very similar, very aggressive down the field. They have all the weapons. I don't think much changes here because we know when Tom Brady led teams, he's going to command the offense. The defensive side, Todd Bowles will now call plays and be head coach. I think it's interesting. Byron Leftwich didn't get the nod here. Um, he was, remember, that's the second part I wanted to talk about. Byron Leftwich here, kind of the winner of the offseason. He was going to go take the Jaguars job. Basically told them no, mm. F off. I'm not going to do that, decides to stay with Tampa, and Brady decides to come back right after Bruce Arians is fired. If the offense is even better again this year, he'll be, again, a head coaching candidate, I imagine, next year. Um, but, yeah, I would Im- I would imagine mo- more of the same from this squad. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. – Austin, do you think anything changes? I think it stays relatively the same. I think Tom Brady is the common denominator here. And I think Tom Brady gets really what Tom Brady wants. And I don't even think that's unfair. And I think that all of the speculation surrounding why this happened is, is fair speculation. You know, was there a power play? Did the styles of Bruce Arians and Tom Brady clash with one another? Tom Brady being super details oriented, Bruce Arians being a little more instinctual. Uh, did these clash? Honestly, man, irrelevant to me. They have a Super Bowl together. They're still working together. They win a Super Bowl this year. They all get rings. Uh, it's not like Bruce Arians is gone, gone. You know, and and it could it totally makes sense to me that there could be some issues. Like we've been a part of winning teams where you don't like everybody on the team, or you still don't say we could have made this team better. Perhaps Bruce Arians was a coach of the year without Tom Brady. 
on his team. Um, and he's been a Super Bowl champ with him there. So I think that no matter what happens, it's just kind of moving in a direction that works for everything. I think it works for fantasy. I think it works for the Buccaneers. I think it works personally for Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. Scott comes in here thinking, I think a mix of Brady and defensive head coach is obviously attractive. It's kind of an interesting yeah, I mean, take. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's like, let Brady do what he wants to do and handle the defensive side of the ball. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think the relationship is good there. And remember, I, I believe the initial report was that he was going to take a front office role, right? Bruce Arians was actually going to remain in the building and take a front office role. Johnny, you so said that not, wasn't the case. Is that right? It's not. Is that yeah. not happening? No, 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 no. He is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He is taking a front office role. He is. I yeah. thought you were talking about before that because oh, no. Johnny had been sharing with me that prior to this news, Arians was like, I'm not going to be taking any other role. I like what I'm doing. And then this happened, which gave a little bit more to the what's going really going on there in Tampa. Bay. Well, but yeah, he's based the whole, basically the whole the pissing thing. contest came out and Tom Brady won and Bruce Arians had to well, go take a job or, or not have one. It's a narrative well, that's that been considered. And that's like, that's the big to topic and turning point of like, hey, what, why is this so out of the ordinary or like mm. kind of out of nowhere? Is there something else behind the scenes? And I was just saying like the whole point of why it seems kind of fishy and not lining up is because Peter King was the one that had dropped this uh, information that BA was moving to the front office, that Todd Bowles was going to take over as the head coach. But the reason why it's so intriguing or interesting was because right after Tom Brady re came out of retirement, Peter King was the one that was coming on the on you know his network and as well as on other shows and saying, "Hey, not everybody's," and he never put a name to it, but he always was saying, "Hey, there are people in this organization that actually aren't happy Tom Brady's is coming back." They were relieved when he had announced he was retired because they wanted to move on because he is so you know, strong headed and he's set in his ways that it rubs some people the wrong way. And so, you know, you can only kind of read the tea leaves. There is that person that he was talking about Bruce Arians. And it would make sense that Peter King would have that relationship with Bruce Arians where Bruce Arians would open up like that to him because they're, they're, you know, it's a head coach are pretty close, you know, things like that, but it's all speculation. But ultimately I do want to, I'm, I'm intrigued and see what Tom Brady can do this next year. No doubt. And I think speculation aside, the facts point to what's happening. Bruce Arians is no longer the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Either he didn't want to be, Tom Brady didn't want to be, somebody didn't want him there, could have been himself, whatever. We are now where we are. Things are different, but they might not have changed that much. We'll see. Well, B, A, A, B, A, B, C, D. It doesn't matter. Tom Brady's the quarterback, oh, right? Like it doesn't like it all spells good. the same thing. G O A T. Exactly. G O A T. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of it. We'll do it for 20 says Pete Carroll is next. And are you? Looking oh, at our I will tell you right now. If Seattle oh. does this to Pete Carroll, they are beyond stupid because they could have done this and saved their franchise quarterback. And right. that's what they should have done. Was got rid. I'm still in this camp that they should have gotten rid of Pete Carroll and moved on with, you know, feature Russ. You have two wide receivers. Go after that. But they've already blown it up, and now they're going to fire Pete Carroll. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I thought no, that's no. why they did all this. I, you know, it was, it was an interesting question on there, and we'll have to see what comes out of Seattle. There's obviously a lot of change coming up, and part of that is the running back for Seattle where uh, Pete Carroll on Chris Carson's neck surgery said that the question is whether or not he can take the hits, that being Chris Carson, and all that kind of stuff. We'll have to wait and see, but Chris Carson is planning on coming back. 
Does this give me as much pause? Does this give you guys as much pause as it gives me? Johnny, we started with you on the Bruce Arian subject. I'll kick it to Travis over here first. Chris Carson and the running back spot for Seattle. What am I? What are we looking at here, Travis? Well, first of all, I can't believe I'm agreeing with Johnny right now, but hashtag free Rashad Penny. Let's get Chris Carson out of here <laughs> yeah. for medical reasons. I like the ADP of yeah, Rashad Penny go. this year in redraft. I think it's great. But I will say that I think that Chris Carson, the interesting thing to me is that Chris Carson has had the most gruesome injuries. I remember the first year in redraft that I took Chris Carson, I actually traded for him. And the next week he blew up his leg in an air cast. They had him out there. They carted him off. And I didn't think this guy was going to be like, he's just continuously done that. Now he's got neck injuries, chronic neck injuries. I mean, at one point, you just have to say, I can't keep playing this game, especially at the running back position where I'm getting hammered by essentially what equates to a, a vehicle every single play. He's got to be done here, I, I would think. But I've seen players try to, you know, I mean, muscle through it. So what about you, Johnny? Yeah, I'm with Travis on this one. Uh, I feel bad for Chris Carson because it's just like the type of runner he is goes against everything it says in that and, and from Pete Carroll. So it's just like. Maybe and maybe Pete Carroll knows that, or you know, Pete Carroll yeah. might be out on out, so it doesn't even matter anyway, because that was Pete Carroll's guy. So that's a great point. Johnny says, you know, Pete Carroll's out here saying, like, it's gotta if he can take the hits. I mean, whenever we've watched Chris Carson before, he didn't care if he took any hits. He was mauling people out there. Now it's definitely if you get you give that kind of runner hesitation, is he gonna be that effective of a runner anymore? I I I think it's time to let go, Chris Carson. I am I not banking on Chris Carson playing any meaningful football, let alone possibly any football at all, let alone meaningful or not. Um, I'm all aboard the Rashad Penny in redraft. Uh, quick question on this one. Where does Rashad Penny belong to be selected in redrafts next year? Johnny, start with you and your boy. I, I mean, I can't imagine wanting to take him any higher than the fourth or fifth round. Like I know fourth that makes sounds sense to me. If, if Carson's gone, yeah, which we'll have to see how that goes. And they don't draft anybody past maybe like the fourth round, fifth round in, in the NFL draft. I think he's got to go I third, mean, fourth why, round. I, why would it, why would he be rated any higher than that? And uh, I, I'll tell you Again. why. Uh, Chris Carson because Rashad Penny hey, was the number on. one running back yes. over the last six weeks of okay. football, and there's no right. competition behind him, and sure. they don't really have a quarterback. So he, okay, and that's and that's is he a and second that's round a good, running back. No, 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 that's a good point as to what you're saying. And so, is there upside? Absolutely, but let's not forget David. David Montgomery was in the same exact boat last year. Popped off at the end of the season. Had an even better season, and there wasn't it was as the RB fifteen in points per game. Uh, yeah, and and guess where he was going the back of the end of the third, the beginning of the fourth. I think that that's the highest that you can say on these, on these running backs that yes, is the upside. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen it, but can you trust it? No, you can't because of the injury concerns because of the coaching. I'm interested to right see now. what kind of, and this is probably a different topic, so I don't mean to de derail us here, but I'm interested to see what kind of PTSD we get from the first round last year. Because mm. the first round was brutal last year, mm. which means our guys going to start pivoting towards, you know, a modified, you know, zero RB, you know, where it's like wide receiver first and then a running back. And what where mm. does that shift people down? I don't know. I think there's still the truthers out there. But, yeah, there's a situation for sure uh, in which – I think that we're going to be a little bit 
hurt by last year's first round. And I think guys mm-hmm. like Rashad Penny and got, you know, or they're going to be pushed down a little bit because of this ripple effect. Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying there, Johnny, on David Montgomery. We also had um, who was the scat back that was supposed to be playing at the top of the year for Chicago that got hurt again? Rico. Tariq Cohen. Thank you. Is there another running back? Like, is DJ Dallas a threat? Is um, Alex Collins a threat or anything like that for Seattle? Or is it Rashad Penny and Rashad Penny alone I, right oh, now? I guess this is Johnny's question. Sorry. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think it would totally, I don't, I'm not too worried about any of those guys. Yeah. Um, I would be more so watching what they do in the draft, right. And how yeah. high do they take a running back now? They're probably going to take a running back. So like, I, I don't just say that to scare off anybody. Oh, you know, they take a, if they take a running back, Let's from, Carroll, you know, he's for sure taking a running back. Right. But it's like, do they take a running back in the second or third or maybe even fourth round screams a huge difference to me on if they or when they want to use that running back versus if they get a running back in the fifth, sixth or seventh. That's a huge difference to me. Yeah. I mean, like DJ Dallas was taken in what DJ Dallas, they kind of took kind of recently, but then Rashad Penny was taken in the first and he's been. Wow. I don't know. This is such an interesting one. Yeah. Austin, you mentioned those last six weeks and in those last six weeks, the most catches he had in a game were, was two. So it's not like he was getting a ton of receiving work. He was scoring touchdowns. He was getting the bulk of the carries. Now in a Pete Carroll offense, that's going to be valuable. And again, we, we talked about this. He could be the main vein. We could see a situation where that happens on a really crappy team, of course, but that's still going to give you RB two, RB three return. Whisper Nation is not a big Penny fan as of yet. Scott coming in saying he wouldn't take Penny before the seventh or eighth. Yeah, Ronald saying Scott always. That's how Scott is with running backs. He was always wanting to take late running backs. Croc boys, Sierra, Sierra, hide the Crocs, hide the why? Because (laughs) I'm about to get like hammered by beautiful women because of all of these Crocs. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, some for the rest of us. Real thing. Crocs are the real thing, baby. Dude, if I you will, don't love I them, it's because you're not letting yourself like them. No, they're great. I, I they're, will. Oh yeah, there's a former Croc hater that has been turned around. I am born again in the Church of Croc. <laughs> That's what <laughs> they do, man. They make you feel brand new. That's certainly it. Well, we're going to move on to a brand new subject here, folks. To the Chiefs talking about Ronald Jones as their newest addition. The Chiefs signed Ronald Jones to a one-year deal per source. Jones had two seasons with 1,000 yards from scrimmage in Tampa Bay and should have ample opportunity in Kansas City. Johnny, coming over to you first, how do you think that the Chiefs are going to be incorporating Ronald Jones? What do you see the impact for both the run game in Kansas City and the other skill positions there for Patrick Mahomes? I mean, this is really intriguing for me uh, to I think Ronald Jones is probably going to be a running back that I'll target simply because, you know, you look at his body of work and when he did, he was the between the tackles. He's not going to be the pass catching. So you have to presume if you're doing rational coaching, which, again, is assuming something that could potentially not happen. But if I'm thinking about it, CEH is a much better pass catcher. They still Mm -hmm. need that in that offense. So I could very easily see Ronald Jones becoming kind of that main running back, the, you know, one and two between the tackles. So we'll probably see between 30 and 40% of the team's rushing share. And then you've got CEH going to be getting the rest of it, which might actually help him stay more effective and efficient when he's on the field. And so I actually think that this is going to cause both of these running backs values to come down. 
Uh, obviously, you're not going to have to pay as much, but uh, in redraft leagues. But I do think that there is going to be value there in potentially both these guys, depending on how late they go. I just I'm laughing because if we let Scott just like on the oh, show and, and like, you're like, hey, what do you think of Ronald 12. Jones? He'd just be like, Jones sucks. And then he'd <laughs> just move on. Yeah. It's like Scott, like, it was a little bit of depth there. No, but I understand why people want to say that because he did kind of flunk out of Tom Brady's offense, right? In a, in more way more ways than one. What a way to frame it. I like that. Tw- 28 and 31 receptions, though, in 2019 and 2020. So he's not a nobody when catching the ball. They did have a ton of drops in Tampa Bay, which is why they went and got Gio Bernard. But I actually agree with Johnny here. I think it's a great value to look at Ronald Jones. I actually think this is one of those situations, though, where if I'm playing in like seven or eight leagues, and I know that may sound like a lot, I'm going to go half and half. I'm going to go CEH and Ronald Jones, and I'm going to invest in this offense, invest in somebody, and try and get them. So obviously CEH is going to be your more expensive one, but I think people are going to be so burned on CEH. He's an interesting post-type sleeper for me because – I think that they're going to be still invested in him, even more so now with Tyreek Hill gone. They're going to be invested in guys they know around there, especially Patrick Mahomes. I'd imagine he's going to be leaning on guys he knows around in the locker room, especially a guy whose his reputation's a little on on because he's the one who said go get him. So I think they could try to still one more year get CH to work, but I love trying to get uh, Ronald Jones in the back end. You know, Ronald coming in here saying it seems like Singletary and Moss to me. Well, I think both of these guys are a lot better than Singletary and Moss. And I think this offense is one that runs more than Buffalo ever has. So I think, you know, they, Patrick Mahomes, well, you yeah, don't have he's the, not one that runs uh, a ton in the end zone either like Josh right. Allen. That's the bigger part is but, you don't have you don't have Pat Mahomes taking all of those rushing touchdowns. Guys, I'm getting I'm getting goosebumps and you know how I am with my goosebumps <laughs> on this one, but I'm really starting to think about it. First off, Ronald, I think that this comp isn't bad here on the Singletary Moss. And when we look at the numbers of Ronald Jones and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, they're a little bit better, even that like they're both averaging like around 4.3 yards per carry. Even the deep metrics aren't horrible on these ones. And I'll, I'll just throw this one out there. I think we continually are disappointed, disappointed in Clyde Edwards Alaire because a few years ago he was the first running back taken off the board playing for the best offense in the game. And he never r- rose above a back end RB2 on this one, but he still has been like a back end RB2. And you know, when he gets action, when he gets going, Ronald Jones, similar kind of thing. So these are two running backs who had higher draft capital who have been overall disappointing, but I think they've honestly been a little bit better than the credit that they've received. However, we saw last year Andy Reid close out the offense with a dynamic backfield that even had Jarek McKinnon and Williams and Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Alaire getting a lot of work. We lost, we got one of our underdog bet slips blown the hell up because just forgot that Jarek McKinnon was so involved right. and that dude was taking up a lot of work. So I'm looking at this Kansas City backfield right now and saying, you know, maybe I go with the very last running back that's available of theirs because I'm not feeling super confident in who's going to get the lion's share of anything in the backfield. And that's again why I was saying, like, diversify. If I'm in multiple leagues, I want to split the difference on that because I do think, you know, yeah, Mr. Miyagi saying not touching this backfield. I can understand that. But I think that you're leaving value on the table when you do things like that. When you just say, I'm going to avoid a backfield completely, you got to go and try and like put your name on a couple guys, you know, differently and see if any of them pan out. It's a great way to kind of diversify. What ends up happening is that you, I, 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 
this is one of those guys we get these topics, you know, and I'm guilty of it as well in the past of saying, Hey, I'm not going to just touch this backfield. Right. I, mm-hmm. you know, too, I don't know, but the, the problem is, is when you don't do that, you miss out, you miss, you miss out. out on James Connor, because guess what? They, this is exactly the same thing that was being mm-hmm. said. I'm not going to well touch said. Arizona's uh, backfield because it's well just said. too complicated. Not, not, not good enough. Same thing could be said. We talk Actually, about Kansas city where you could say look the at same Williams. Yeah, you could say the same backfield that Jones came from, Tampa Bay. And then you would have missed out on Leonard Fournette, who was RB1 down the stretch before he got injured. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. And if you look at what Daryl Williams did while while CH was out, and that's what you're you're kind of and it sounds terrible, right? You're you're kind of banking on an injury, but that's what's going to give you that value. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Like CH, not ideal health, right? Neither for Ronald Jones. He's, they both missed. So if you're doing to case in point what Travis is saying, split up your things. Because I know that Scott's in 28 leagues. So in Scott 14 leagues, do Jones, do, uh, Jones and in 14 <laughs> leagues take CH and <laughs> and in half of them, you're going to be happy. Oh, man. Now, Johnny, you bring up a really, really good point. And this is one of, you know, I, my Austin's fantasy diary, the things that I put in there. This is just true for all fantasy sports where I don't care how burned you've been by any situation. You keep, if you're playing this game, keep playing the game. And that yeah. means look at who is up next. Like you might say, oh, this backfield never produces. And then Michael Carter comes around for the Jets and like actually is pretty good. You know what yeah. I mean? And if you went ahead and just said, well, this guy's never going to be good, then you really missed out on a Michael Carter when he was on that run. Or, Travis, you pointed out Leonard Fournette. Johnny, you mentioned James Conner, who was a back-end pickup. You know, these are all real pieces that you got to keep your eye looking out. Coaches change their schemes when they're failing, especially like on bad teams. When they're really trying to hold on to their job, they'll do all different kinds of stuff. Or maybe yeah. they, just, they just decide they want to see how this rookie running back stacks up and they're actually not trying to win games anymore. And so they're going to give this young guy a bunch of work, and he's actually kind of dynamic for fantasy purposes. And if I'm thinking like Andy Reid, competition-wise, Austin, Johnny, this is the best way to get the most out of CEH and Ronald Jones. I'm going to bring them both in here, and I'm going to make them compete against each other, and we'll see which one happens. And, you know, I just think that it's going to be worth it a lot more than a Buffalo situation. Uh, you know, and Devin Singletary ended up being really good down the stretch last year. So, and and to Mr. Miyagi's point, he said, "Remind me which Kansas City Chiefs was good as of late." Daryl Williams. Williams. Daryl Williams was a beast last year, on, and, and on volume, he, kind of alone, plus pass yeah. catching. But uh, but uh, yeah, he was he had some really nice pass catching. But you know, you get again, like twenty like, carries, sixty yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, and Andy okay, Reid, he produces some good running backs over the last, you know, over his time. So, like, there is value there. Is it a risk? Absolutely, it's a risk. But it, it depends on how yeah. much you have to pay for that risk. And it it seems to be worth it. If We've had RB2 to RB1 value over the last few years, especially with Patrick Mahomes involved, too. I mean, I love how the chat's going off, but they must have forgot yeah. about Damian Williams, must have forgot yeah. about Kareem Hunt before that. I mean, real question on the Chiefs. Oh my God! Yeah, Jamal Charles. Yeah, my boy Jamal. Jamal. Yeah, Jamal Charles makes me feel like I'm home. (laughs) Hey, you get the. You you get the. It's no, it's not even the goosebumps on this one. Goosebumps are like it's the lovely lady lumps. Oh, dude, that's a special feeling, Lloyd. Jamal Charles just Jamal Charles is my first love. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that. Oh. You know, really though, I've yeah. Moving on though to uh, Sean My Payton's first love, first love <laughs> in Taysom Hill now, who's oh, going to be yeah. focusing on. Wait, did I miss a good joke? No, that's good. Well, no, that, that was, was good. yours. Was yeah, good. That Taysom was better Hill. than mine. Yeah. Oh well, 
I'm glad we're on this track now. But just <laughs> kidding. Jason, <laughs> Jason Hill to focus on tight end. Uh, this little parring gift that Sean uh, Sean Payton left the Saints organization. A little, uh, a little finally, dude. A little dude. Finally, can we a... get rid of the Taysom Hill project, dude? Oh my God! No, he's going to be focusing on tight end, according to Dennis Hallen. Yeah, that is the plan. And the re- next- I know this is crazy. This is like the most expensive tight end uh, since uh, Urban Meyer wanted to sign That's Tim right. Tebow. They just redid his contract. Well, it it has void years in it. I believe it was set okay. up to be that way. It looks a lot. But I think they can get out of it pretty cheaply. Or, uh, well, is that why they're doing that? It, yeah, that might yeah. be why they're they're designating because then if he gets the tight end numbers, then he's more. Wow. Yeah, he will. Be Ronald like, saying no, it's not. No, it's not we, what. No, it's are you saying not. no, it's not. Yeah, if yeah, he, if yeah, he, he gets yeah, right, is then he okay. paid eight million. Yeah. Right, but if he's a quarterback, he gets played a lot more. Or even oh, that's how it's oh, he might down. be saying no, it's not to the experiments over. It's definitely over. Oh, he's, I see. You I don't see. have to worry about him being a quarterback contract. anymore. That's what I mean. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess my question, this is such a funny dynamic here, obviously, for a, a handful of reasons. You know, Sean, Sean Payton's first love there and Taysom Hill and all that weirdness that was going on. The question to me comes up, Travis, is Taysom Hill – possibly like a wildcat tight end does he have any gadget attraction in this upcoming well, saints team for you remember it was it two years ago his first stint as a starter he was labeled a tight end especially in espn fantasy leagues so you could get that dual eligibility if you get him there and he's a he's a tight end and we start to see some stuff i i think he'd be like worth one of those like you know, gadget end of the bench, you know, roster spots. But other than that, I'm not, I'm not really excited about anybody on new Orleans right now. Um, save uh, unless we get some inspiring news out of Alvin Kamara, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not really excited about him, especially as tight end. They already have Adam Troutman, who I think is a nice upstart, talented tight end. So I'm not really even taking him ahead of Adam Troutman on the same team, especially in like a dynasty format. So what about you, Johnny? Taysom Hill probably wears Crocs. Scott says. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, probably does. I I need that crazy deal. He fucks hard too. So I, I think there is a, I, I would bet that there will be one week and it'll take over the fantasy football community. Probably at least one week. It certainly will for us. Yeah, when (laughs) when Taysom Hill will probably play quarterback. Yeah, because we'll have to get him. Yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna happen at least probably once this year. So like, there's going to be that conversation. There's the glitch. Like that's an absolute. That's like one of the best glitches that you could possibly have would be playing a quarterback at a tight end position. So, will you know? Will he be worth drafting? No, but you better be quick on that. On that, uh, you know trigger finger as far as pick up waiver wires because if you that's going to be true quarterback if you get him at the quarterback that's an absolute fantastic stay. like you, i don't know how you lose that would be a really nice one so get your fingers ready to pick up Taysom hill should that be happening but keep an eye out while you got those fingers moving go ahead and click the like and subscribe button right oh, now yeah. Go ahead and get connected to the show. We're going to be coming at you all off-season long. We've got our Mock Draft Mondays that we hit you with. And then on Thursdays, we do TFW Live, the Thursday Night Football Show. 
We're going to be getting ready for some more draft content coming up, live streaming those events, and would absolutely love to have you along with us throughout the year. Let's do it. Uh, we got a new member of Whisper Nation jumping in here. I think I don't. I don't know. Have we seen Barbara Shack coming in? What's going on, oh, Barbara? What's up? Love to have you here. And we're going to before we move into our next topic, let's go ahead and address Barbara Shack's question here. Who's your guys' number one through five running backs in fantasy this year right now? So I don't have my list right up in front of me, but I'm going to pull up a general list and just take a look at some of what we got. But do we? Maybe we can kind I mean, of work Jonathan through this Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, number one. I agree. I'm putting, I would put Austin Eckler in there. Maybe not number two, but he's in that top five for me. He's probably three or four. Okay. Where I have difficulty is between Derek Henry and Dalvin Cook. Um, okay. Both top and fives. Then, and, then, and then my top, my to round that out, I do think Najee's in that discussion, but I also do think that uh, Nick Chubb is in that discussion. Put uh, so Nick Chubb in there. There's like six out of five, right? Like I gave you six, you said say name five, but for me, there's a couple that are like like Derrick Henry to me. Like, is it surprise me if he's number one next year, even if he only plays 10 games? No, like he's so he's so damn good. Um, but again, like there's always that like risk. And so I don't know. For me, I would probably have JT, Najee, Eckler, Henry, and then Chubb just of, above Cook. Cause I also don't know about Cook, you know, and what that fiasco could be. What about yeah. you, Travi? I'm I'm in the same kind of boat, except for that I have Derrick Henry as number two. And my reasoning is we want to start hot in fantasy. And I think we we kind of yeah, let cool. this get a little by the wayside. You want to get your wins up so you can try and make the playoffs. Then anything can take happen. Advantage right? of trade I want to take, and... yeah, if, if Henry's going to burn out at the end of the year or kind of like he did last year where he has this issue. And then that's the only fear that we're draft we're not drafting Henry right at number two is we think that all of this usage is eventually going to wear him down. Give me JT, then give me Derrick Henry. Then I'll take Austin Eckler because, again, I'm going to start hot here and he could end – you know, I'm just worried less about his injury situation than I am CMC's, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and then I go with Dalvin Cook ahead of CMC. Now, if I were to hear things about, um, you know, the suspension or whatever, then I would go with, a, you know, CMC over Dalvin, but that's kind of where I'm at. I feel all those points, and the name that I actually have in my top five and I'm sticking by it is Joe Mixon. I think Joe yeah, Mixon last yeah. year he's broke out, and I don't see any reason to think he's. I don't. I don't see a reason suggesting he won't do better than he did last year. Confirming Joe Mixon's age right here. Joe Mixon currently is 25 years old. He finished last year as the number three running back in standard, number four in PPR. Um, he did miss a game as well with that. It was his best season thus far. 13 touchdowns, uh, had 42 receptions, 314 yards. The offensive line got a little bit better. Joe Burrow in his third year should be a little bit better. I don't see a reason, that I, unless they go ahead and draft a, a great running back in this year's draft, I don't know why Joe Mixon doesn't repeat as a top five running back on this one. Yeah, it's I, so funny. We talked about PTSD from the first round, yeah. and yet we're fighting over who to get in the top five here, which again, well, I think you know, is just makes, there's going to be a lot to choose from. It's just going to be which one you think has the best risk profile for your particular team. And I think that's just kind of what we, we will dissect and go through as we get through with our rankings and all that stuff here. I want to say later to Scott, he's piecing out of here. Oh, says he's got to run. Peace out, Scott. He's going to go watch uh, Milwaukee. That's going to be on the Suns tomorrow. 
No, they're not. But oh. I just love the song. Nice. So I, yeah. <laughs> nice. That'll be they beat us in the Have a good time. Be safe. That's gonna be safe. I do want to say what's up to Karen while you're over there. Yeah. Say what's up to Karen. Exactly. Um. I do want to say that it's funny. We always talk about some of these players and like post PTSD or like, and it's funny. We are just one year removed. And I mean, one year removed from us literally trying to sell people on the fact of like trying to go out and get Joe Mixon and that he could actually be a, a fantasy steal last year. Uh, and you know, uh, so many people were saying, Hey, no, I don't want to, because they have that PTSD of like injury and like all this thing. And it just goes to show like injuries are a real thing. Everyone has to deal with it, but it's also a little bit of luck of avoiding those. And then it's whether or not yeah. how much you pay up for that, uh, evaluation. Cause I agree with you. Can Joe Mixon get a little bit better? Absolutely. Now, will he? Or are we going to over? Johnny says him? no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, no, I, it's not that I say no. It's no, just I that know. I have more confidence. For example, I have more confidence that Nick Chubb would be finished as a top five, even though he he finished behind Joe Mixon last year, than Joe Mixon actually returning as a top five. That's just my opinion. I wanted to just point on not fantasy football advice. Do your own research. I wanted to point to Barbara's other point here. We talked about Mixon. Uh, he also mentioned Javante Williams. I just want to say that I think everybody on this panel is really high on Javante Williams. And if the Broncos do not get another startable running back in there, like if Melvin Gordon goes somewhere else, who is still unsigned last time I checked, I think we like that as possible potential, but I'm still not putting Javante Williams ahead of the other names that we mentioned. Yeah. Am I surprised if he finishes that good? Am I surprised if he finishes better than Najee Harris, who we all said Javante Williams was the better prospect skill-wise and fantasy-wise coming out of college? No. I'm not surprised at all, but until I see it happen, I'm not going to put Javante Williams ahead of any of the other names that we just mentioned. Um, but I like where, Javante Williams a lot myself. It's just that, that sweet, list is it's penny. That sweet spot of like, penny on that list. He's uh, at four and a half. He's yeah. So Javante, this one, this one's an interesting take. So say nothing happens like Austin was, was getting at there. If you want to get him at a value, you've got to wait on Javante. You can't take him where you think he's going to finish. You got to, you're going to get him at a value here. And it may be the last year you get to do so if he ascends to be the guy we want him to be, right? So take your breathe, take your breath in and go and get him where you can get him. Don't get him, don't get excited and draft him just because you think he's going to end up. I don't there. think you're going to have any value on Javante Williams this year because of the comments we're seeing right now. I mean, Javante Williams finished as an RB 17 in PPR. The part you're excited about is those weeks 13 and 14 games when Melvin Gordon wasn't in there and he had 23 and a half points in one week and 20 and a half points the next. So we we know what he's capable of. You love Russell Wilson coming over. I mean, Great point. All, yeah. Well, and you love the, it all. The problem is, it's just trying to get him at that that right value because there is a situation where you draft him, or maybe Melvin Gordon comes back. There's a timeshare even more, or maybe there's a situation where it just takes him a little while and pass pro. And if you're not pass pro, pass protection is not good with Russell Wilson. They'll get you off the field really quick. You know what I'm well, saying? So, and then and then just last point I want to make on it is. The problem, the other thing that, and a lot of people don't necessarily talk about this point, but it was something that I really learned last year playing. 
certain guys have value with just in, within their name. So, for example, mm-hmm. you drafted Javante because you you know you're on board. You think Javante, no Melvin Gordon, whatever the reason, you're on board. You draft him, he doesn't quite pan out. He's not bad. He's a he's a Kenyan Drake, right? He's he's getting in the end zone here and there, but not quite what you would draft him at to be, you know, in that mid first round, even second round. The problem is if you get a Derrick Henry or you get a Nick Chubb, you get one of these other guys, a Joe Mixon, even, and he's not quite panning out the way that a top five in a you know would. The, the thing is, you could still use his name value to get, you know, 75 cents, 80 cents on the dollar, whereas Javante really hasn't built that up yet. So mm-hmm. if he doesn't quite get off to the start that you're, you know, wanting, it's like it was like, you know, Miles Gaskin last year where like there was the talent there and he was somewhat producing, but nobody really believed in Miles Gaskin. So I couldn't trade him. I had to eventually <laughs> just drop him. And because no one is going to give you, you the value, have. and so I don't know if I'm, do I don't know if I'm all the way. I'm, I'm not like going to put. I'm not going to Gaskin finish as a as a, a, a RB two last year. I'm not going to put Javante uh, Williams in the same category as Miles Gaskin. I think I like Antonio Gibson. I like Antonio Gibson. Javante Williams. Yeah. Comp. Okay. That's yeah. That's, that's a good one as well. <laughs> as well. Yeah. He's not conceding for you, man. Good for you. That takes some. That takes some fucking cojones right there to hold that down. And I love you so much Jesus. for it, dude. I really uh, do. Uh, the peanut gallery says Mike Davis. Interesting what I'm at. What's, what's Mike yeah, Davis up yeah. to right now? Is yeah. he playing in the NFL or is he is he, is he playing at home with his kids? He's probably playing at home. Probably playing at home. Probably, home probably, probably looks what's going yeah. on there here. Scott giving you a shout out on this one. And now we're going to go ahead and give the Buffalo Bills, a bit of a shout out here because the news is that Sean McDermott is looking for Josh Allen to run less in 2022. We want to evolve, he says. This means Josh Allen would be presumably in the end zone less. Maybe Devin Singletary is in there more. Johnny, what do you think about this news coming out? You buying it? I got to do my plug of Hugh Jackson on the mock draft marathon from 2021. Folks, if you're tuning in and you're not a normal part of Whisper Nation, first off, welcome. It's great to have you here. If you like what you're listening to, think about liking and subscribing to the channel. We'd love to have you a part of the crew. But we do every year the Mock Draft Marathon, where we do 24 hours live of mock drafting, a new mock on the hour, every hour, for 24 straight hours. And we bring on different industry professionals, friends of the show. It's a really great event. And last year we had uh, former head coach Hugh Jackson on the show for a full hour. And we got to ask him some great questions. And mine, one of them was, how much truth should we take from a head coach press conference? You know, they say a lot of different things. Are they telling the truth? Are they trying to throw us off the scent? What should we really take to Smoke heart? Strength. And he said that it is always intended to do something, but just telling you the truth for the truth's sake is not the point. They don't care about that at all. Maybe they're trying to motivate a player on their team. Maybe they're trying to throw off an opponent. It, it, there is a reason why. So just take that to heart. With that buildup, Johnny, what do we think about this news from Sean McDermott saying that Josh Allen's going to run less they want to evolve? Uh, I mean, this is something we've been asking for for a couple of years now, or or at least speculating that it would make sense that they do this. I don't. I mean, I have Josh Allen in Dynasty. I don't want him to stop running. 
No, I, I'm not saying that. Of course, we don't want him to stop running if we have him. Of course, like you want all those <laughs> fantasy points. What are we doing? Here? We're playing a game. Of course, you want that. But what I'm saying from a a coaching perspective, and as like someone, it would make sense, you know, trying to be a rational coach here. Hey, we've got our franchise quarterback who, oh, by the way, we're paying like, you know, plus $300 million over the next five years. Hey, maybe we should not put him in dangerous positions where he could get his head knocked off and not be able to make it to those future years. So Cam like, Newton. yeah, we've been asking this, but again, it hasn't really panned out. We've been saying, Hey, like in our projections we're you know, I think that Cam, uh, that uh, Josh Allen will regress in rushing yet. He has yet to do so. So to your case in point, could it be something they're trying to do? I would imagine they would try to protect their asset in that way, but will it actually finally evolve into that? That's the big question. I'm not so sold uh, that that's actually the case. It's very hard to turn a quarterback that is so used to just pulling down the <laughs> ball and running and then being like, Hey guy, Hey Josh, you know, actually we're think- stop doing that. I actually think it's it's the opposite of what we think it was. So if we look at Josh Allen over his first three years in the league, you know, over a hundred yard, uh, over a hundred attempts, eight, nine, and eight rushing touchdowns in those seasons, those first three years. This year, something changed a little bit. He ran about twenty more times, one hundred twenty-two attempts, scored less touchdowns. So you know, Ron was in here talking about designing runs versus him running himself. And I think that's the the key here. If we're looking at it, it's about 20 more runs. Maybe they design more Josh Allen runs. And McDermott looked at the tape and he's saying, I really don't want to do that. That's why we go pick up a Duke Johnson. We keep the running backs until we saw what Devin Singletary did. Mm-hmm. Does this mean that Josh runs more in the red zone like he's been tended to do in the previous years? I don't know. It's going to be a weird thing to watch the pendulum switch. Mm. I think if they design less runs, he comes back to 100 carries again, and he can score less touchdowns. He'll still be effective. He'll still be getting you Konami code-like production, and he should probably Mm. still be the number one QB drafted in fantasy. The Mm. point is – we, what Johnny was really trying to say is the reason we wanted this is because we were trying to project the backfield for years here. Yeah. We were trying to get a situation of like which running backs to draft, who can we get? And this is where we're at. And I think if we can buy into this and believe it, I, I'm hesitant to because big players make big plays and big games. <laughs> and Josh Allen's going to keep running on fools for as long as his head's on straight. Hey, unless you don't get the ball. Let well, me say. I mean, let me, he can I throw handles this? the ball. No, I'm he, saying like he didn't get the ball back in the. In oh the, yeah. Well, yeah. now he will. So yeah, let me let will. me jump in on this one a little bit because I think that there are a lot of things working towards Josh Allen running the ball less, and this then being an increase for the running back in Buffalo, be that Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, uh, Jack Johnson. Duke Johnson, thank you. You know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, <laughs> not really. They're all individuals, and they're all great, beautiful, different people. But, you know, they're all scat backs there if we're talking about Duke Johnson or or Jerick McKinnon. My point was that I think there is some real plausibility to this, and I want to talk about it in the lens of rock climbing. I like to rock climb with Pernation. Any rock climbers out there, give a shout-out. But one of the principles on there is to spend as little energy as possible ascending the rock face, right? It doesn't matter if you can just, like, do straight pull-ups to get yourself to the top. You want to spend as little energy as you possibly can getting up to the top. It's working as efficiently as possible, not as strong or as cool or any of those things. That's a standard principle. And I think that can apply to a lot of different elements in sports, fantasy football and quarterbacking, the same kind of thing. 
Josh Allen might want to run the ball the same way I just love to like just do overhangs and climb up like that. But it's not the most efficient way to accomplish the task. If he wants to save his body, he should not have a car accident multiple times a game. Mm. Like that's just a standard. Yeah. Can he handle it? Of course he can. He's given us multiple years of the number one overall quarterback doing this thing. But it does take a toll. And if you can score the same amount of points by evolving your game a little bit and upping your run game, that that's just objectively smarter way to go about it. Mm -hmm. And it's, is it hard to change? Absolutely. That's why he used the word evolve. Like it's yeah. taking on a new form. Can he do it? We'll see. I, I, I don't know, but I think there are reasons why that it could happen. And I would say it should happen. Yeah, and it probably will, right? If we look at the, the strategy of Josh Allen or the way Josh Allen's progressed in his career, remember, he came in. We knew the talent was there. He was just extremely raw, and nobody thought, okay, is he going to be able to hit the ground running? He has literally improved every year in the league, so we like to think that's going to happen. And what has Buffalo done? They've said, hey, you've gotten better. We want to keep keep you away from money. We're going to go get more weapons for you. We're going to continue to pour weapons in. We're going to go trade for Stephon Diggs. We got Emmanuel Sanders the year we did that. Now they're doing some more things this offseason, and they got in Duke Johnson too to help the running game. I think it's all trending in the right direction to where you can actually kind of believe the writing on the wall in this coach speak. It makes a lot of sense. Before we move on too far, Ronald, I wanted to shout out one thing, and that's before we get too far where he said that we wouldn't bring you on. We would absolutely love to bring you on. And I was thinking I wanted to bring this one up just because we're on air and so we can rewind the tape should we need to. We mentioned the mock draft marathon. I think it would be great to have a section where we brought some Whisper Nation on to draft with us, stream absolutely. along with us. Yeah. We can get one. We can get multiple of those 24 different mocks that we do. Ron, we would love to have you come on board. And maybe other even one of, yeah, maybe cool. even one of the mock draft Mondays leading up to, we can start yeah, getting some of the guys yeah. that mock with us and a guest on there for sure. Have Ron, your people talk to our people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah we'll get this one here. Yeah, speaking Mr. of people, Professor. Speaking of people talking about people, we got Cliff Kingsbury making some comments on Rondale Moore. It's exciting oh, yeah. one. He said that a bigger role, there's no doubt. Last year, just with the numbers with Christian Kirk, AJ Green, DeAndre Hopkins, he kind of got lost in the shuffle, Rondale Moore, that is, more than he should have. He's dynamic player. With Christian leaving, we expect him to fill that role. Y'all have heard me talk about Steve Kime, GM of the Arizona Cardinals many times, and I'm not usually doing it with love in my mouth. That man has drafted 10 wide receivers. Only one of them has broken 1,000 yards. It was John Brown. But Christian Kirk got pretty darn close last year with over 900 yards. So if we're taking what I would say is one of the glitchiest, I don't want to say one of the most exciting young wide receivers in the league in Rondell Moore, but he certainly bears some consideration given his play style. If there's a clean fill-in for Rondell Moore taking that Christian Kirk role, is this something to legitimately get excited about in fantasy football, Johnny? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Christian Kirk was a starter many weeks this past year for fantasy rosters. He was a great waiver wire pickup. Um, I really want to see what they do with that wide receiver two spot. There are some rumors. It could be Julio. They could bring in another free agent. They could draft another wide receiver. So I really want to see what they do with that number two role, but definitely like the fact that Rondell would be taking that, you know, the slot, you can get him open, scheme him open on a lot of plays. So yeah, I definitely, and I love his speed. I'm, I really would be surprised if they don't take advantage of that even more this second year. Anything else to add on that one, Travi? 
Yeah, I just think that we've talked about this before with like a Zach Ertz, you know, with AJ Green gone, with Chase Edmonds gone, some of these vacated targets, you know, that are there could easily be funneled towards a guy like Zach Ertz, towards a guy like Rondell Moore. And I'm excited to see where this offense goes because Zach Ertz, a possession tight end who's going to drop down, is perfect. We've been talking about this air raid for years now. And what we figured out about Cliff Kingsbury, it's more of the horizontal raid. It's yeah. more of him doing a lot of screens and, and, and picks and, and things that wrap around. Uh, shout out to Rich Rebar of Sharp Analysis for that one. But that's really what it's been. And it's been this situation of I'm going to get my playmakers the ball as fast as possible. And I think Rondell Moore is a perfect, perfect prototype for that kind of style of play. You know, give yourself a Tyreek Hill light, a Cooper Cup light, and somebody that you can get into space, end around, and make the defense miss. You get that paired with another possession receiver to replace A.J. Green. Hopefully not Julio for Arizona Cardinals fans' sake. Yeah, Hopefully somebody that actually can get down the field a little bit. But we'll see. Um, I wouldn't be mad if my Packers got Julio right now at this point. So <laughs> I can't really besmirch it too much. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's exciting to pick up Rondell Moore this year. A lot of vacated targets there to go around. Yeah, I think it's going to be a kind of a fun piece. See if that that ground raid can turn into the air raid. We'll finally see if Barber that... Shack says, plus there's no way James Conner gets 18 touchdowns again. No, he's going to get 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I mean, kidding. Chase Edmonds is gone. I just don't well, know they, why James well, Conner Eno, wouldn't. A lot of they, people think he's going to be overdrafted this year. Uh, is Eno the reason why? Is that we think well, Eno is going to be good enough? I don't know if he'll uh, what was just something interesting was that Cliff Kingsbury came out and talked about Eno Benjamin and how much uh, he improved slash took on the workload that, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury asked of him. So he should take uh, another step forward. You would presume, you know, takes the Chase Edmonds role. But he did leave the caveat open that we'll see what happens in the draft. So uh, they could be looking to get a a running back in the draft. So if they take one of those, again, they kind of want to look at the draft capital uh, and say, okay, where did they take said running back if they take uh, a running back? But I I wouldn't be surprised just because it's been a little weird with Eno. Not to say, like, I, I think that he could be good i do think that uh you know giving him that chase Edmonds role could be very good for him uh but there's just something that's a little bit weird about how the cardinals have been handling you know that just seems a little fishy to me that they're not exactly sold on him being yeah. that secondary uh running back. Se- seventh rounder right yeah seventh rounder but he was really good at college he came yeah. out he, he did come out that year when there was a plethora of running back talent uh you know with the ed uh, uh just it was a couple of years ago with you know, all the running backs that came out with Dobbins, all that. Uh, so hey, there was Johnny. Is Larry coming back, dude? You have Larry Ertz, <laughs> JJ Watt, dude. That was Larry, Julio. Quietest, quietest superstar retirement we have ever. Know, That's how he wanted it. You don't even he wanted it. No, and he pulled it off. He, and he pulled it off, but just like a, a Hall of Fame top 10 wide receiver, maybe even higher than that all time i bet there's a lot of people who still think he's playing football like that was just well crazy. it's because he officially hasn't actually retired that's the other part like he, he didn't release anything like tom brady did or anything like that him so. and tupac going to lunch next week i heard <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. moving With his on. connections and high high income i wouldn't be surprised running back free agent winners and losers for y'all we know this is a running back game in many ways at least the robust ones here we wanted to talk a little bit about this article that came up 
and some of the takes that were in there on this running backs, winners and losers. So, Johnny, you want to give us a take here, a breakdown here on the on the winners that are listed here and the losers. Yeah. So we found this article um, written by Andrew Cooper over here on Fantasy Alarm. So if you, you know, want to also come on the show, just hit us up. Uh, but he listed out some uh, winners and losers here. And we will, we're going to start off with uh, the losers, I believe, right? That was what we were doing. We're going to start off with these losers. We're going to talk about, he listed Antonio Gibson as a loser, Chris Carson as a loser in free agency, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn as a uh, loser in fantasy football free agency, along with Miles Sanders, Mike Davis, Zach Moss, Damian Harris and Alvin Kamara. So, so do we agree with these ones? Johnny, what are your, after reading those names here, what do you think about some of these losers? I'm looking at Antonio Gibson and I know that yeah. JD McKissick came back over there, but I'm not sure if I totally see him as a fantasy loser. I, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely not buying that uh, Gibson is a loser uh, for fantasy purposes. I think that this is, I think it, if he's trying to be contrarian, then I'll give him kudos because I don't think you're going to see this take very often um, because now Gibson's door, like, look at that. McKissick has had 289 receptions for over almost 3,000 yards and 11 touchdowns. Gibson, on the other hand, has only had 44 receptions for just under, a, you know, 900 yards or a little over 800 and 10 mm-hmm. touchdowns. There is a massive gap that get like, let's not forget and kid ourselves that Gibson was a wide receiver coming out of college. He can do that. He just has not been given that opportunity one because you had JD McKissick there that mm-hmm. was being effective, but they also didn't need to like, they were well, trying to keep Gibson in, fresh in the first year. They wanted to teach him the position. So it wasn't important for them to mm-hmm. use him as the pass catcher in the second year. It did seem like the shin injury was a big cloud over Antonio Gibson all year long. Whether valid or not, they did seem to use McKissick in a spell situation and not use Gibson as a CMC-type bell cow. Now, if Gibson can come in fully healthy, I think it behooves the offense to use Gibson as a bell cow, and it behooves us in fantasy as well if that happens. I don't know how he's a loser here getting Carson Wentz. This is arguably the best quarterback that the Washington football team or commanders or commies or whatever they're called has had over the last couple of years, and I know that's not saying a lot because they haven't had a lot, but he has still been a viable QB, if not for fantasy, for people around him in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case with Gibson, I was even so. there a little bit. Like he was an RB1 yeah. back in last year. He and our broken shin, like a fractured shin all year. He's back. And I like your point there of the best quarterback he's probably had, meaning more first downs, more opportunities. And I think being in your third year with a healthy shin is overall good. So I got it. I'm with you on these ones, guys. I, I love the the right here. It was just saying that like beyond just the RB room, the commanders lost Brandon Sharif, uh, one of the best guards in the league, but they also settled for Carson Wentz while other teams traded for guys like <laughs> Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, and Deshaun Watson. Just not an ideal offseason for Gibson. Listen, we, we, this guy actually, Jonathan Taylor wasn't the number one running back last year and had Carson Wentz as his quarterback. Come on. I'd have a little more punch in that line if you didn't mention settling for Wentz because Matt Ryan was a bit of a settle, I think, as well for the Colts. Notice he was the last guy traded for. So, like, let's not sit here and say that they settled. If nothing changed, 
Titans with Washington and they didn't get Carson Wentz, then you could have a little bit more to say like, oh yeah, Gibson's a bit of a loser this offseason. But I actually like Wentz's addition to Commanders. Yeah, I think Man, I can't believe I just said that entire sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with Ronald here. Chris Carson is not coming back. They got to stop even mentioning him. We spend time. Are we okay with that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. fine. Yeah, Keyshawn, I, I don't, I'm not. I'm not okay calling Chris Carson a loser when it's a neck injury that's probably going to take him out. Like, yeah, I just don't. It's not, no, that's we're not we're all winners as God's <laughs> children, Cross to the grave, dude. All right, uh, from the grave to the sky, Keyshawn Vaughn. We lift your name on high. At least we've been trying to for a little while. On this, I, I we like Keyshawn Vaughn. We know that our homie Brett Zabo did in Dynasty drafting yeah. him in the first round to be he the sure handcuff. Oh, he did. Hey, but that was a the, the guy, the out. guy who That's drafted wanted him. The dry, the guy who had the most influence in drafting Keyshawn Vaughn is now no no longer the head coach. Hey, so you're out the floor. We say that Probably. a lot, right? It's not your guy, like. Keyshawn, whose whose guy is Keyshawn Vaughn's? Like his mother's? At this point, I'm not sure if it yeah. goes beyond that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, it's it is the same coaching staff, I guess. So you could say that. Yeah, Keyshawn like, Vaughn's looking for Amazing Grace to save a wretch like him oh, because wow. he's pretty much gone. Oh wow, man! Is Keyshawn Vaughn end up going somewhere else at some point? Like we've never seen what he's about. Is he good? We have no idea, right? I imagine he translate to a Chris Thompson if he's good enough translates to a Chris Thompson to a JD McKissick to these yeah. pass catching scatbacks if he can land in the right system it's never happened because Brady's not going to go out there with a guy that he doesn't really trust and it's not going to happen in Tampa so maybe like Ronald Jones before him he goes and leaves the team and maybe gets another opportunity but we'll see he's just strictly been kind of special teams for now no I definitely call this one a loser. Like, a, like this is an unfortunate situation for Keyshawn Vaughn's projected fantasy production. Yeah. Le Leonard Fournette is good, and he was killing it at the end of the season in terms of pass catching. Like, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that off the top of my head, Leonard Fournette was, like, in the top six or seven in terms of targets uh, in the last uh, month plus of football there. So Leonard Fournette, like, could be coming in as a as a running back one. Quick question on this, Thunder style. What round do you think Leonard Fournette should be drafted in in half point or standard leagues, um, 12 team leagues? I take the I, I like the second round or third round for Leonard Fournette. I think that's where he should go. I mean, the only thing I would be concerned with is injury, but I'm concerned with half the first round on that account. And I just saw too much of it. When they give the ball to Leonard Fournette with, you know, unabated. He is a RB one. And I, that's enough for me to go after Leonard Fournette um, this season. What about you, Johnny? Yeah, I, I would have to like beginning of the third is where I, I think he'll end up kind of being um, just because you, there's the upside there again. And then you, you, of course, but you have to bake in the downside, which is why I do think he falls and kind of that. And uh, two Travis's, point like i would be interested in that i think it's worth the gamble there i don't say it in the third i i think yeah. that's I, I feel good on that one you know johnny you and i talked a little about the little things in in a player in an athlete's demeanor in their preparation that are big signals for us on where their minds are at which can be a a, a point suggesting where they're headed what their trajectory is like um we talked a little bit about that earlier with commitment to diet and physique for players like when we talked about mac jones we talked about 
Eddie Lacy. We talked about Luka Doncic as well, like, you know, Zion Williamson. You know, we talked about some of these little things here. One of the points I wanted to bring up on the other side of it, like these little signals that show me somebody's got actually more cooking that than you might think, is that video of Leonard Fournette getting hit and giggling every time he gets hit. Like, you guys seen that video? Have you seen that video, Johnny? No. I He's haven't. mic'd up. When Leonard Fournette gets hit, he giggles like this. <laughs> <laughs> it like reminds me of hit. Andrew Luck getting sacked and telling him thanks. Good no, hit. He, he, gets, he like genuinely enjoys it. Like his brain is rewired in a way that like physical pain hits his pleasure receptors. Like three mm-hmm. massive linebackers are dragging this dude down and he's going, <laughs> and what it shows to me is like, he is absolutely not afraid of getting hit. It's kind of the opposite. He likes it. Like he goes for it. And that to me shows like it doesn't matter if his body kind of starts breaking down. He's going to keep doing everything he can because he legit loves it. Like yeah. he's got the role. Yeah. He's got the team. He's got the offensive line. Like something could end saw, up being a steal. And maybe maybe I, I would be more inclined to go third round. I think second round would be the highest. Maybe end of the second. And what I saw out of Leonard Fournette is similar to Johnny pointed out about Gronk and some other players for this team. This isn't. This reminds me of a uh, uh, Lakers or Celtics dynasty team in the NBA, where they kind of coast through the regular or the Bulls. Even they coast through the regular season, they get to the playoffs, and then they gear up and they flip a switch and they're on for it. And I, I think Tampa Bay is a, a victim of that. Fournette got hurt, sat out the last two to three weeks, said I'm going to save myself, came back for the playoffs for them, and that is going to be something that we have to bake into guys like him godwin mike evans is a possibility for this team because they the only reason brady came back is to get another ring like that's yeah, why yeah. that's what they're doing here so. not for nice. stats i'll yeah. tell you that feel this one so barbara coming and asking is saquon a loser this offseason if he's not traded I mean, um, still plays for the giants right <laughs> i mean guilty by association right yeah, I I mean, and then Ronald came in say, now nah, the Giants are bolstering the line. I think Barkley will be a good value pick in the fourth round. It'll be interesting to see where his ADP lands, but I do think that Barkley is worth kind of a stab as some of these other guys. You, you got to shake off the injury risk, but he's going to be a guy that they're going to use if he's on the field. Um, and so, you, you know, you go after that. It's not like he has to worry about a timeshare or somebody coming in. There's so much, you know, invested in Saquon that they will use him. Yeah. It's just, you know, your risk mitigation. Would you rather risk Leonard Fournette or Saquon? You know, personally, mm. I'm, th- I'm going Fournette here, you know, so, but that's kind of where we're at with it. What about you, Johnny? Leonard Fournette or Saquon Barkley? I'm going, I'm going with the better offense. I'd go Leonard Fournette if I have to choose between the two. But I don't know if they're going to necessarily go back to back just because of how bad Saquon has been over the last few years. I think that they're, you're going to get a lot. And similar to, and it could be very much how we viewed Derrick Henry just a few years ago, right? Derrick Henry a few years ago, going in the fourth, he was, you know, like he had a couple of years where he couldn't stay healthy, couldn't, you know, get that bulk of the carries. And then all of a sudden, the last three years, he's been back in the RB1 conversation. So, it, that could be the case for Saquon, but there are some pieces that need to be put together and things like that. So, you know where I would love this to happen, and I have no idea if the ADP would work out, but the kind of situation I'd love is if I'm drafting at the 12 spot in a 12 person league at the back of the draft, in that third, fourth turn, if I could oh, pick yeah. up Leonard Fournette and Saquon Barkley, like in that third, fourth turn, I'm not surprised if both of these guys are RB3s or worse. Like, I, I could see that happening, but you look at them and you're like, the ceiling oh, yeah, yeah i mean the day after your nasty. draft you're gonna be goo goo gaga over your lineup yeah <laughs> by week four they're out of your lineup <laughs> <and dead. laughs> 
I could easily see that. You're starting Michael um, Carter Jr. now instead of either one of those guys. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think um, so too. What was I going to say? Oh, but I'm just interested to see this offense in general. So, and But I wanted to point out that Brian Dable, who's coming over as head coach, coming from that same Bill squad that did not run the ball a lot. So maybe this is something to keep an eye on because they are That's trying to revamp Daniel Jones, get the line invested. Maybe they use Saquon Moore as a receiver. Um, but you know, that's what, that's what I would be looking I'm glad at he here. is healthy. I'm glad he is healthy. This is kind of like a, a prove it type of year. We'll learn a lot in this well, year coming up. And in general, that's more so what we see from athletes is the year after their surgery, they have a hard time. And that's the second year after the injury that they really kind of hit the ground running per se, or get back to their norm. We're uh, going to keep eight. it running as Johnny mentioned here and talk about the winners of the fantasy or excuse me of the nfl off season over here so we just got done with the possible losers some we agreed with some we disagreed with but now let's take a look at some of the winners over here chase edmonds is the first one johnny you and i got into a bit of a spirited discussion before the show around chase edmonds you really like this as a winner type of outcome i'm not sure if i'm buying any of the miami backfield but you're feeling really good about mike mcdaniel and and the the Kyle Shanahan tree that he comes from and the way that they use running backs and the expected role you foresee for Chase Edmonds. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty much entirely it, right? Like you look at the what they paid. <laughs> I mean, you look you you look at what they paid him, right? They paid him twelve point six million for two years. So that indicates to me that you're not going to which by the way, uh James Conner got paid like six and a half million a year. So it's roughly the same amount of money. And like we all know what the production was like last year. How much did Kenny Galladay get paid last year? Right. But yeah. I'm again it's not equating that you're going to make plays, right? But he when did they not use Kenny G? Did they not try to get him involved? They did. And so like the same Sterling thing Shepard. is going the same thing is going. What do you they had? Daniel Jones was terrible at targeting any wide. Talking receiver. about snap percentage. Like, what do you? Anyway, Kenny G was battling injuries the whole season, and then when he could play, he was in there. Like, I, I, I trying to equate Kenny G to Chase Edmonds' value is completely. No, I'm just talking about the point like, of suggesting production and salary are connected. There is a correlation. There is more of a correlation with what they plan on doing with a person based on how much they pay him versus if they pay him pennies and expecting not that much. Like there, there is definitely research. He'll get the shot. He'll get the first shot you'd expect. And that's what they want him to be. But if in training camp he gets outdone by someone else, they're not going to well, keep him the thing over is, somebody is, who's outperforming him, are they? Here's the thing: is Chase Edmonds probably not even going to be number one on that depth chart. Mm. That's why I think he's a winner because mm. the thing is, is Raheem Moster is coming from. Uh, er, he also came over. He got signed, and the reason why it's so important, and the reason why I'm like so gung ho that Chase Edmonds actually a value, and I agree, is because. Look at the coaching system and the staff and what's going to be implemented, baby. It's going to be that Kyle Shanahan run zone scheme, baby, that we all love for fantasy football. But here's the thing. It's not Probably. always the number, or in most cases, it's not the number one guy that you go for. It's not the, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert, because he's probably going to get injured. Most not the likely. Trey Sermon. And it's not the, right, not the Trey Sermon. But what it end up, and this is where I did kind of joke about the whole thing, is that, and honestly, we might look back at the end of the year and it's probably going to be Gaskin that ends up being the best value of all of them because that system just bangs up running backs. They get injured and then it usually ends up being that third running back that ends up actually being the value. And so when I but when I'm looking at the whole thing right now, 
Chase Edmonds is a value to me. I do think he will be good in that system because it's a zone run scheme system, a one cut, one read kind of thing. And he could do that. He's fast. He also has good hands and can catch out of the backfield. So you pair all that compare and with the other pieces on this offense, it's going to be hard to stop Chase uh, because you're going to be worried about Tyreek, about Waddle, about, uh, you know, Jaseki. So I do think it's it's going to be a productive running scheme. What about you, Travi? I think there's a couple things going on. And we saw what we saw was in the chat here. Ronald says, when is the last time Miami had a good running back? Can we stop right? with this argument? Oh, no, hold on, hold on a thing. second. I'm finishing this. Hold on a second. Okay. And, and then so then he comes in and, and actually lists them all, right? Uh, he says, Jay Ajay, Lamar Miller, Frank Gore, Gaskin, Lindsay. So kudos to you, Ronald. But then Barbara says, all bus. Ronald agrees and says, yeah, Miami kills talent. Um, Excuse me. Lamar Miller was an RB6 and an RB9 in fantasy in Miami. And RB1 was Jay Ajayi in Miami. Not a just a guy. Yeah, they were, yeah. they were actually very usable. They did go on elsewhere and have good teams. As if any of that matters, though, guys, because guess what? We're talking about a completely different Miami Dolphins team with a completely different head coach. And as Johnny alluded to, yes, we love the Shanahan tree, but it's not like we just love Kyle Shanahan's like zone running scheme. His dad like revolutionized running in the NFL. This is not just anybody's shake a leg at a coaching tree, and it's not just any position. Uh, you know, that we like in fantasy. This is really, really big minds on fantasy. And and Kyle Shanahan trusted Mike McDaniel so much that this kid who looks like Rodrigo Blankenship mm -hmm. is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And now you could come in and say, but yeah, Miami Dolphins, where they're allegedly paying off coaches to lose. Okay, sure. You could get me on the decision-making process. But I've listened to Mike McDaniel's talk, and I know what Kyle Shanahan puts on the field running-wise. And if there's anything I, I trust, in this offense, it's probably the running game, even over a Tyreek Hill's production, even over a Jalen Waddle's production, because I can trust the running scheme. I mean, look at it all. LaFleur, uh, Sean McVay. We have seen massive Gary years Kubiak. from the running. We have we've seen massive. Yeah, exactly. Gary Kubiak. Great point. We have seen massive running back years from this kind of scheme and from this particular tree. So throw your Miami. Uh, it's not like we're talking about the Lions here where they really have killed running backs over the years. We're talking about a new scheme here. That was just a shot for Johnny. I know. But we are talking about a new scheme, and I'm actually really excited about the youth movement in Miami about bringing this guy in. And if you want to say Raheem Mostert and Miles Gaskin, and these guys are just too many bodies out there, well, then you're looking at the wrong bodies to be in the way of Chase Edmonds here. Chase Edmonds is, to me, clearly the most talented back and the best, well, maybe the best health history of the backs that are there. So I'm really excited. I think Chase Edmonds is a winner, and I think the Raheem Mostert signing actually will do better for his ADP than anything. Austin, mm -hmm. sorry to cut you off there. No, 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 no. I'm right there with you. And I just want to throw in the point on Chase Edmonds's workload. We were on last year show. saying that he might get hurt. He's undersized. He's being used in a way he's never been used before. And what did he do? He got hurt and James Conner was there. That is new information, though, that can be held. I think McDaniel will. I think he's already looking to deploy a platoon of running backs. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't the biggest Chase Edmonds supporter last year. I watched this dude play football just from the eye test. This guy is so shifty. This guy actually is a problem when he's out there. Like I talk about value over replacement all the time in terms of his ability to be nimble and quick, like good luck replacing Chase Edmonds in I'm terms like, of that category. 
we also Miami is going to be good, dude. I I don't yeah. do this every year with Miami or teams like this. I usually stay off of that, you know, when I'm smelling. But Miami should be really good. They have so many good skill position players. If you're looking for a new kid or a new young coach to get in and get it going, this is the perfect setup. Um, and and I don't think it's it's bad to invest in this team across the board. But I think the running game is is one to not shy away from. You know, we've heard it now on four different topics, right? Where, you know, Ronald, Mr. Miyagi, you're like, oh, I'm going to stay away from this backfield. Like, don't be scared. If you're scared, go to church. Like, we're here to, like, get a running back from one of these teams and have him explode and be your league winner. Let's yeah. try and figure out which one that is. I was trying to find here the Ronald Church comment that he put in there. I couldn't get it to stay right in stride. That would have been – there that we go. Been, yeah. There you, yeah. go. <laughs> there you go exactly we're all about the lord's day today man. <laughs> yeah dude well and 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 the thing is Duke gaskin last year was an rb2 oh, here we go i knew you were gonna get gaskin, gaskin was an but... rb2 last rb24 year, baby didn't he Let's have go. one game with like four touchdowns isn't that why it doesn't matter baby yeah it's it does, the same though. thing hey, it's a little no, bit of context no i'll tell you why it doesn't because i get shit on all the time that hey Whoa, dude, Herber, hey, i'm not gonna kink shame you bro no i get her don't kink shame here my dude not you guys. You and OBJ, hey, huh? Hey, uh, Her Herbert was a quarterback too. Yeah, because half Take his it a number he, two. He didn't. He was a top twenty quarterback. Yeah, man, man, I love this here. All right, well, we uh, the last name that we had had on there. We talked about some of the winners oh, yeah, and losers. Uh, James Conner winner. I'm there with it. Najee Harris, Michael Carter, Joe Mixon. I think those ones are pretty obvious. The last one that we'll talk on oh, this man. here is Travis Etn, and if we agree. If we agree with Andrew Cooper here, author of the article, that Travis Etienne was a big winner here. Big Travi, what is your initial take on this? Well, Travis Etienne is a winner because he's named Travis. Of course. He's a winner because he was drafted <laughs> in the first round. Nice. Money. He's a winner because Urban Meyer no longer coaches him in, in football. Unfortunately for him, that might have been his only ticket to being drafted in the first round and drafted on the Jaguars in the first place because James Robinson is absolutely awesome at the running back position. Now, and this team, like you could say, okay, but they're going to use him as a, as a slot receiver, scat pack. Okay, they just paid Christian Kirk so much money to be their slot wide receiver. They, they just paid a bunch of other wide receivers and a tight end to take up some of those routes too. I don't see a path to major success for Travis Etienne. So yeah, if we're talking about him personally in life, sure, we could call him a winner. In fantasy football, <laughs> I don't really see it. We are all winners as God's children. Yeah, as exactly. <laughs> Father Abraham had many I like sons. at the end here. And many sons says, had Father Abraham. I like how it says here at the end here. ETN could be a really sneaky value at his ADP. What do you mean undrafted? Because that's where he's at right now. Like, I I, like no one's drafting him. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to go undrafted, but he's I'm definitely going to be. He, and, and, and people, you can get those people out there that are going to say, well, you know, draft the later and maybe younger running back. And, you, you know, that's a decent strategy. You're only six months age but, part. Yeah, but yes, Austin, I was just going to drop your your yeah. nugget there. No, it's all good. I I'm glad you found that for the for the show because like that's where it's at. He is not that much younger than James Robinson and James Robinson has done it. And that's the thing. We can talk about first round pedigree. We can talk about uh, you know, if if Urban Meyer was still there, yeah, maybe, but the, yeah. your guy's gone. So now Where's your coach? guy's gone and 
we've already seen it out of James Robinson. I just don't see also, how you can make Travis Etienne a, a winner here. Look at what Doug, our boy Dougie, did with running backs uh, in Philadelphia. You got oh, Garrett Blunt. Yep, you got Garrett Blunt over Ajayi. there. Ajayi. Yeah, the guy that Ronald was, thinks was a nobody. Live Lafajai was over there uh, at that time. That's what he had to change his name to because that's how productive he was. So I do think that I love James Robinson, uh, where his ADP is an absolute travesty right now, uh, and it oh, will rise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but for me, yeah, I think it's. I thought it was pretty comical. Uh, again, I could be completely wrong here. Travis and there's just could be the best thing. Remember, since sliced bread, yeah, but. and ETN scored a ton of touchdowns in college and came from Clemson and, and a, a national championship winning program, and the. There are going to be a ton of people that love Travis Etienne for those reasons, and that's there's going to be these truthers out there. James Robinson has already done what we want, you know, and and that's that's the bottom line, pretty much. So because Stone Cold said so, that's and don't right. you forget it. Love it. That's hey, right. well this this wraps up our conversation around running backs, winners and losers. If you got anything from this. Or if you didn't get anything at all, it's all good. You can still go hit the thumbs up button and we would sincerely appreciate it if you enjoyed what you're listening to and you want to catch more of this. You want to be a part of a fantasy football community where you are welcome to be here exactly as you are. Hit that subscribe button, man. We go live every Monday doing our mock drafts with over on Sleeper. And immediately afterwards, we use Underdog Fantasy to draft our best ball leagues right there with you. Real money. We've been doing $3 entry fees. Um, we've been doing six-person drafts. We get more people jumping in here. We're going to go ahead and expand that out. Regardless, you've got a chance next Monday and this Monday to be a part of the show and to draft alongside us, go ahead and download underdog fantasy. And when you do use the promo code TFW, they're going to match up to a hundred bucks. So you put $75 in, they give you $75 that you can waste it on parlay picks for basketball. Like I've been doing the last month. It's been awesome. <laughs> Made a lot of money on football Been losing a good amount of money on basketball, Been having more fun than I've ever had in the process though, win or lose because underdog, is legit super fun i really encourage you to download it use tfw as the promo code get that matched money and then join us on monday we'll be back next thursday as well but we're not going anywhere just yet we've got travis's gone in 60 seconds here to wrap us out on this one before we say our goodbyes sorry yeah, so I just wanted to talk because we're three days removed now from Will Smith and Chris Rock incident at the Oscars. And I just wanted to say, you know, I've been talking to a lot of people at a bar or something in passing and people on the Internet. and Oh, it was staged. Oh, it's distracting us from this conspiracy theory or whatever. It doesn't matter. What it does is gives us an opportunity to look at ourselves and say, you know, how are we representing for the people that we love? And how are we fighting for the people that we love? Do we fight with them physically? And there may be times in your life where that actually uh, matters or can, can, you know, can be valuable. But I'm here to say as a victim of physical abuse within my family uh, that most of the time you can get through with just pure love and without having to do this. And it reminded me of some of these situations when we talk a lot of shit in fantasy football and we get heated in fo at football games and we've seen the violence there. You know, 
guys, if you're angry, if you're hurting, if you need help, reach out. And even if that's to here at TFW, we've got your back. We can help you as well. But I just want, you know, as somebody who struggles with anger and who has struggled from abuse as well, it's never okay to just go up and handle it through physicality uh, if there are other options available. And there certainly was that at the Oscars. So that's all I have to say. I'll get off my soapbox on that one. Man, Travi, I didn't. Thank you for saying those words, dude. Yeah. You got me choked up there for a second. I think you had a really powerful and important message. Um, I hope everybody out there is safe. I hope everybody out there is able to handle their problems. And I'd say that if a loved one of yours is hurting, be there for them. Mm. Don't be there to attack the thing that hurt them. Be there for them because they're hurting right now. And you can turn that love back to them and be there with them and make them feel better. Uh, not just take out that emotion on another human being or on another inanimate object. Be there for the people that you love and lead with that love. 100%. Well said, Travis. Jesus, that yeah, was awesome. That was good. Johnny, any other words that you'd like to share before we wrap this one out? No, just, uh, well, I will say, uh, rest in peace to our, do our dog, Charlie. We had to put him down the other mm. day. It was hard. Um, I'm sorry, man. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just want to shout out to that guy. He gave me and my family some, some good years. So love that guy. Miss you. Miss your stinky farts here on live on air and having you sit by my chair while we're live. So you get me emotional on this one, man. I, I, I it's genuine emotion, genuine tears on this one. That dog was amazing. And you stole the story yeah. about how stinky his farts were and you oh, gave yeah. him the English muffin from McMuffin from McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. uh, his last meal and then his farts were yeah. so bad that he would, he'd smell them and crop dust himself. And, go, and then he'd leave. Yeah. He'd, he'd be like, oh, this, he this, wouldn't this be in the same bad. room. Yeah. He's like, I'm out of here. I just oh, crop dusted y'all. Oh Charlie, Charlie is an amazing, uh, was an amazing dog, man. And I know he meant so much to you and Jade and, you know, just in the couple times I met him, he was a great spirit, you know, initially a little grumpy, but little Hey, grumpy, any old yeah, man yeah. is, you know, in their old age and that'll happen. But man, he is, you know, as they say, all dogs go to heaven. So he's in a better place now, brother. Yeah. Dedicating this one here to Charlie on behalf of Johnny game time Hicks. That's big Travi. I'm Austin Sear. We're the fantasy whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Look at you go. You made it to the end of another one of our videos. Hey, if you still have some questions, I totally understand. Or you just want to join an awesome fantasy football community, head on over to our Discord chat. Link is in the description below. And if you're still not sold on us, check out one of these videos.